Hey, thanks so much for listening to Sandals Church. Our vision as a church is to be real with ourselves, God, and others. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey guys, welcome to The Power of Us. Man, what an incredible series. I've been watching from home. Man, Pastor Fredo has been killing it. Let's give him a hand, man. Just incredible, incredible, incredible. Um, We are just so blessed at Sandals Church to have so many incredible communicators. And that's one of the beauties of being a multi-site church. We don't think about this, but a lot of churches, pastors have to do it all. What's amazing about Sandals is people get to specialize and be everything that God's called them to be. And that's one of the reasons why I think we're not just a church, but we're a movement. And so I think it's something we need to celebrate. And so today I wanna talk about one of the unique powers that we have at Sandals Church, the power of our worship. I was at a conference last week and uh, somebody was saying, hey, I just heard you recruited so-and-so to be on your worship team. And I said, yeah, it's great. And they literally said this, how on earth did you get them to be on your team? Well, it has nothing to do with anything on earth. It has to do with the one who's in heaven. But here's what's amazing. That person applied because they wanna be a part of what God is doing at Sandals Church because God is changing the power of our worship. And some of you guys, I mean, I mean, we all fall into one of two categories. We feel very free in worship and some of us feel very uncomfortable in worship, right? Some of us are just like, bah! in other words, we're like, that person is making weird noises, right? <laughs> and so here's the thing is, here's what I wanna challenge you to do today. No matter where you are, whether you're the freak that needs to tone it down a little bit or you're the person that needs to like let a noise come out. I, I just want you to know that, that God is listening to our worship. And that our worship is a powerful thing. It's a powerful, powerful thing. And in the Bible, the worship leaders always led the battle. And our worship is our war. And we are either winning that war or we are losing that war based upon our worship. And so I want you to think about that. We're gonna start off today with uh, the book of Psalms, which is an entire book in the Bible, the longest book in terms of chapters dedicated to worship. That's how important it is to God. It's one of the most often quoted books of the Bible by Jesus. So that should tell us something. This book matters. And so if you're a person that struggles with worship, I want you to know this, it mattered to Jesus. Psalms 29.2 says this, ascribe to the Lord the glory that is due his name. This is something that's due. This is something that's owed to him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Man, we struggle giving God the worship that is due. I got to go to a couple of graduation parties this last week and got to hang with with some teenagers, which is always exciting. Uh, We only have one teenager in our home and he's almost not a teenager. So, you know, I felt super young and at the same time, really old. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, wow. But some of these teenagers, teenagers are different, you know, than they were when I was a kid. When I was a kid, when you were 16, you got your license that day. Okay, nowadays teenagers turn 16 and they start panicking about getting their license that day. Like, they're, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And here's the thing is, they're all afraid of the speed. I'm afraid of the speed. I'm, I'm afraid of things that are happening. Well, I just wanna blow your mind a little bit about how God just handles speed. Okay, last week I got the opportunity to drive a race car around a race track. It's the first time in my life. It's always been a lifelong dream to drive a Porsche. I've never been more frightened in my life. And here's the thing you need to know. I drive every day, every day. 
And I was terrified because of the speed of this Porsche, okay? I don't own a Porsche. You know what you give, pray about it, amen? Like, right? <laughs> I'd never driven one before. But let me just give you some numbers that will blow your mind. The earth is rotating right now as we speak at a thousand miles an hour. We're spinning and you don't even know it. At a thousand miles an hour right now, it takes the earth 23 hours and like 59 minutes, not 24 hours, like 59 minutes to completely rotate this big old rock we're on called earth. But here's the thing is, the earth, man, we're, we're rotating around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour right now. Right now, that's why the wind's blowing. <laughs> but here's the thing, our sun and, our, our, and our, our, our system, all of our planets, we're rotating around the center of our galaxy at 448,000 miles an hour. And here's the thing, and we're traveling forward thousands of miles an hour somewhere. We're going somewhere right now. We came from somewhere and we're going somewhere. And I want you to think about that. Like my wife is freaked out about automatic driving cars. You know what I'm freaked about? Out people driving cars. That's what scares me. Cause your computer doesn't drop a French fry, amen? Oh my gosh. Your French fry is not distracted. Oh, look at that. But here's the thing I want you to think. The earth has been on autopilot for billions of years because God programmed it, set it, and sent it. So listen to me, teenagers, you're afraid to drive. God's been driving for billions of years and he is worthy of your worship. He is able to handle things at speeds that are beyond our comprehension. We don't even know. I mean, how fast is 448,000 miles? An hour. I mean, we don't, we don't even know how to comprehend those numbers but we struggle with worship because we don't think about how big God is. Here's Webster's Dictionary's definition of worship. Here's the first definition. And this is appropriate for us as Christians. Worship is to honor or show reverence for something as a divine being or supernatural power. Here's what it means. There's something bigger and beyond me that I must worship. They used to call pastors reverends because we used to understand that a part of life is worshiping and connecting with something that's bigger than life. Number two, this is more appropriate for our culture. To regard with great or extravagant respect, honor or devotion to a celebrity. You see, thousands of years ago, we used to worship idols. Now we call superstars idols, American idol. Here's the thing about your worship. And some of you guys say, well, I, I'm not a worshiper. Oh, you are. You just don't worship God. All you men that are quiet, if I watched you watch sports, I'd watch your worship service. I've never made my children cry during worship at church, but I have made them cry worshiping the 49ers, <laughs> worshiping the Rams. When my girls were little, they would just look at their mom. What's wrong with dad? He's angry. Well, daddy's worshiping a false God. He'll teach us about the real God on Sundays, right? You see, when I worship the wrong thing, listen to me, it will make my life a living hell. Look at our world. Look what's wrong with our young people. We've told them they're God and they're miserable. 
They're miserable. They, they, they feel awful inside. You see, psychology tells us that he, for human beings to be happy, we are pre-programmed to have our, our, our attention and focus fix, fixated on something bigger and beyond us. That's where we get goals from. We have to have an aim. We have to have something we're shooting for to make life worth living. And so when I worship the wrong thing, life, life is, is a living hell. But listen to this, when I worship the one true God, he doesn't make my life like heaven, he makes my life worth living. Because it gives me a focus, it gives me a perspective. And we're gonna look today at when the church was birthed. When the church was birthed in Acts chapter two, the first thing they did was worship. It's the first thing they did. It changed their lives, it changed their trajectory, and listen to me, it changed the world. We have so many young people today that want to change the world but it has nothing to do with worship. Worship of God is the only thing that can change our lives on earth. And so in Acts chapter two, we're gonna look at just five verses. These are some of the most famous verses in the Bible where it reveals to us the power of our worship, what our worship can do. In Acts chapter two, verse 42 through 47, it says all the believers, every single one of them, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And listen to this, what's the result of this? A deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And the believers met together in one place and they shared everything they had and they sold their property and their possessions to move to Tennessee. Oh no, sorry. That's our world. They sold their property to flee to Texas. No, 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 I'm sorry. They sold their property and they shared their money with those in need. And they worshiped together at the temple each day. And they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while, praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those that were being saved. Man, that's the birth of the church. It's the birth of the church. And it was birthed in worship, in worship. And some of you guys are like, well, just get to the sermon. You're not ready for the sermon. You need worship. You need worship. It cracks me up every single, every single week. I watch you guys come in late. You know what time the sermon starts. It's not like we show videos of movies that are coming out six months from now. <laughs> We're worshiping for what's happening in your life today. Today, right now, you need this worship. Well, I don't understand, I don't like the music. It's not about the music, it's about your soul. Worship, the power of our worship prepares my ears to hear the word of God. You're not ready. You're not ready to hear. Acts 2.42, what's the first thing they did? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Well, pastor, I have the Holy Spirit inside of me. So did they. And they devoted themselves. You know why? Everyone needs a teacher. Everyone needs a teacher. Half the things I say, maybe more that you go, wow, I heard I was taught. I didn't discover that on my own. I wasn't just casually reading the Bible. 
I had a professor, a teacher that said, hey, dummy, look at that. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna tuck that away and share it later as my own thought. <laughs> so when I'm preaching, when you listen to the sermon, some of you don't even know what that is. I always love, I love Sandals Church. People say, great talk. <laughs> That's Sandals. That's Sandals, man. All of our friends, they go to churches where they hear a sermon. Sandals, you hear a talk. Great talk. I got a friend of mine this week, he told me, he says, my son doesn't even think you preach. He thinks you're a stand-up comedian. I was like, that's the sweetest compliment I've ever received. So when I listen to the sermon, when you listen to the sermon, listen, you're not listening to me. The only way you're gonna listen to me is if you listen to worship. You know what you're listening to when I'm preaching? You're listening to your own thoughts. Do you know how hard it is for me to get in your head? It's a crowded place, your head. And some of you right now, no, it's not. Yes, it is. Wow, yes, we are. How do you know? I don't know what's going on. Think about everything that you, you have. You have Manhattan, New York City in your brain. You got all these voices, all these words, all these things running around. You know what worship does? It clears your head. It clears your mind. The Holy Spirit says, out of the way, out of the way. It's time to hear the word of God. But some of you, it's not just a bunch of random thoughts, it's your worst fears. Most of the emails I get that criticize my sermons are nothing that I actually said. It's what they're afraid I said. And by the way, if you're married, this is free. Most of your fights aren't about what was said at all. It's what you are afraid was said. It's what you're afraid might be said. Years ago, we had a disgruntled church member. God bless her soul. The Lord has moved them on to greener pastures. <laughs> but she would write down every single sermon I preached word for word. And she said, you told the church to hate Jesus. I said, let me see your notes. I mean, who knows? You know, I, I'm not always in charge of what comes out of my mouth. <laughs> if you don't believe me, ask my wife. <laughs> and so I read her notes and here's what I said. I said, don't you just hate Jesus? You know what I was talking about? When he convicts us. I didn't mean that to hate Jesus at all. I meant, man, isn't it amazing how Jesus convicts us? It's called a hyperbole. Jesus used it all the time. Like if you've cut off your right hand, you misunderstood what he was saying. <laughs> Some of you are like, my bad, oh. Right? That's not what he's saying. He's using a hyperbole. He's exaggerating to communicate to your thick head. And the truth is we do hate conviction. But thank God, Jesus convicts us. Thank God. So sometimes we, 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 we worry, oh my gosh, Pastor Matt's gotten liberal. Despite, you know, 30 years to the contrary, I think that sentence proves it. Oh my gosh. And we all do this, right, in all relationships. In all relationships. 
I mean, my wife and I had a discussion, not a fight, discussion, <laughs> where I said, at what point does our 26 years of marriage and who I am and have been as a husband count? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just curious, right? I'm just curious. Pretty good track record, pretty good. It's not an A, but a B plus at least. Think about that. But one thing happens, oh, this is where it all falls apart. Or you heard what you're afraid, I said. And, and don't get me wrong, sometimes I say stupid things. And you're like, we know, pastor. <laughs> you try talking for a living. You have everything you've ever said recorded. It's part of the reason why I think we have such terrible politicians in our country, because all the smart people are like, mm, no, nah. <laughs> no. Next, you know what we're doing when I'm preaching? We're replaying old conversations and interactions. So I say something that triggers your thoughts that leads you to something that happens somewhere else. And listen to me, I love you, but you're no longer present. You're no longer present. Like, I love you. You have no idea how bad a listener you are. Tammy and I are in counseling. More for her. <laughs> it's not true. It's not true. We're both sinners, turns out. But do you know all the counselor does? Is he referees what was actually said. I can't tell you how bad a listener I am. I mean, I, it, it's, it's mind-boggling. He, and I, I know because he takes notes while we talk. <laughs> and he's like, well, you said, and I'm like, huh? Next, this is even worse. The Holy Spirit's not the only one speaking right now. Some of you are listening to the whispers of the devil. That's no good. You're no good. You'll never change. Worship won't change you. Worship won't help you. What you need to do is go cover yourself and hide in the garden, even though God is calling. What the Holy Spirit is saying right now is, where are you? And, and the devil's saying, run, hide. But God is saying, come, let's talk. And then some of you like me, who has ADD? Yeah, oh man, oh, it's brutal. We just pay attention to all the distractions around us. Like when my wife and I go out on a date, I gotta, I gotta, she's got to be at the, against the wall and I stare at the wall. Or we won't talk at all. I'll just look at all the weird people. <laughs> you know, my wife always says, oh, babe, you're staring. You're staring. I'm like, I can't stop. <laughs> but here's the thing, worship. And let me just say this. Some of you need to go home watch this message again and actually listen to the worship before you might hear two completely different messages. Worship prepares my ears to hear what God wants to say. Jesus said this, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. What's it mean? Just because you have ears doesn't mean you can hear. Learn to listen, learn to listen. It's why the most important Jewish command, the Shema, the word Shema means to hear. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You see, obedience begins with listening. So worship helps me hear. 
And every one of us needs a spiritual hearing aid. My grandpa, God bless his soul, he's in heaven now, but he hated wearing his hearing aids. I don't need hearing aids, I hear just fine. And then an ambulance went by and he answered his phone. <laughs> Hello, Ed Brown. I didn't even tell him, I was just like, who was it? Some of you need a hearing aid when you come to church. It's called worship. And it will help you, it will prepare you. Number two, the power of our worship. Here's why you need worship. It opens my heart to love the people of God. The very thing that destroys the people of God is the people of God. We are our worst enemy. It's not Disneyland. It's not, it's not the mouse. It's us. We have seen the enemy and it is us. Oh my gosh. Have you met people? Have you met people? I've made people. Have you met people, right? You know what I'm talking about? People are hard, even the ones you love. Oh my gosh. My wife and I, when we go on vacation with couples, we call it day four. Day four is the day you know. Day four is the day you know, we will never do this again. We liked you before, but day four has revealed we will never spend time with you again. Because right for three days, right, you know, you, you can kind of fake it. Day four, you're just real. But worship gives us a heart to love God's people. God's people are not easy to love. This is why churches are so small and so fractured. This is why many of you are divorced. Remember that person that you said you're gonna love forever? What happened? Sin happened. Yours, theirs, it happens. Acts 2.42, and all the believers devoted themselves, listen to the apostles teaching, just preach the word, pastor. Okay, here you go, and to fellowship. Why do I have to beg you week in, week out to get in a community group? Why do I have to do that? I have to beg you, plead with you to do what the God you say that you worship says to do. And I love all these Christians. Well, just tell us, just lead us, pastor. I'm trying. Why don't, why don't you try? Why don't you join me in trying? I'm in a small group. I serve. I'm a part. I give. We, we, I mean, amen. Do we have room for more givers, servers? Yes, there's room for that. We're full on the criticizers. We don't need any more of those. We're good. And they devoted themselves to fellowship and to the sharing of meals. You see, that's relationship, including the Lord's Supper and a prayer. When's the last time you prayed with somebody? You see, Acts 2 people, when you read Acts 2, they spoke different languages. Do you know how hard it is to love each other when, when you don't understand how each other's speaking? A friend of mine took me to an authentic uh, Mexican restaurant and I didn't know how to order a shredded beef taco in Spanish. My friend is Asian. He's no help at all. I'm like, why did you take me here? You know, like you're Asian, I'm white. This is an authentic Mexican place. We, we can order nothing. And so then I'm trying not to be racist, but I'm trying to find someone who looks Hispanic. Do you know how hard that is? Because it's like, man, it's, if, you're, if, you, if you're brown, it's like you could be a lot of things, you know? So I'm, I'm just like, oh. And so I just finally, because I want shredded beef tacos, man, because that's what the Lord Jesus would eat. Um, <laughs> And so, so finally they told me what it was. So I went up and I ordered what I thought they said. 
And the person behind the counter who primarily speaks Spanish is confused at what I'm saying. And so then he says back to me what I said. I say it back. And every time I said it back, he goes. <laughs> and so you know what I had to do? I just had to go point to it. That right there. That right there. That's what I want. And he goes, oh. And he said back what he said. I was like, that's what I said. He's like, that's not what you said. <laughs> so listen to me, especially if you grew up in a charismatic church. I love you. The gift of tongues was not the gift of language, but of hearing in Acts chapter two. We could, how is it that you are speaking and we can hear you in our own language? Next, different genders. Men and women were present. This was unheard of 2000 years ago. Men and women gathering together for the, pers pers per the purpose of worship. This had never happened before in the history of the world. Christianity is unique in this. The Holy Spirit fell upon men and women and brought them together. Then they had different levels of affluence. How do we know this? They gave to those who were in need. Not everyone was in need. Some people were so rich they could sell property. Different levels of affluence. You know what worship does? It gives you a heart to care for those who have less than you. You know what selfishness does? It focuses you on what you don't have. I have a neighbor. His name is Sean. Sean battles mental illness and drug addiction. Sean would be homeless if it wasn't for his elderly mother who still has a home. I see Sean every day. Every single day he makes a trek to, to the liquor store to get a 12 pack. Sometimes two, three times a day I watch him walk. And the Holy Spirit one day said, you need to minister to Sean. Sean has been violent. The police have been called to his house. He scared his own mother. Like I said, he battles drug addiction and mental illness. And I was like, Lord, that guy? And the Lord's like, that guy. So I've struck up a friendship. That's why I know his name is Sean. The first time we met, I said, I work at Sandals Church. He says, oh man, I know the guy who started Sandals Church. I said, great, I'll tell him hi. <laughs> but we've struck up a friendship. But this last week I was driving and Sean is on his daily, multiple daily trek to the liquor store and I saw him, he's wearing pink sweats, cowboy boots, no shirt. He's got a 12 pack in a bag and he's got a cigarette like hanging out of his mouth. Young people, that's like what, what vaping used to be. You know, I don't know what you know what that was but it's hanging out of the side of his mouth and I pull over and I say, hey, Sean, you wanna ride? He's like, you work at Sandals? I was like, I do. <laughs> Come on in, he got my car. I don't know what happened to Sean. He said he lost his shirt. He's bleeding all over. I don't know if he fell in the bushes, wrestled with someone in the bushes. I don't know how he's bleeding all over the place. I was telling my wife this story and she said, well, what seat was he sitting in? <laughs> it's like, it's like that seat. <laughs> and she's like, did you wipe the seats? And I was like, I probably should have, probably should have. My, my wife is like, But here's what I told Sean. I said, Sean, I, you need God. I said, can I pray for you? He's like, sure. He says, well, I live. I said, I know where you live. I watch you walk every day. And I just prayed over Sean in the name of Jesus that he would be freed from whatever afflicts him and that he would know that he's loved and he has a purpose. And he said, thanks. He got out of the car. That's what the Holy Spirit does. You see, you care about the people you care about. The Holy Spirit helps you care about the people the Holy Spirit cares about. 
Next, man, the early church, the different ages. Listen, if you're an old person, how do you know if you're old? If you go, is that me? That's you. <laughs> Jesus, listen to me, Jesus, your Lord Jesus, your Lord Jesus was about 30 when he started his ministry. And some of his disciples were teenagers. Listen to me, church, we gotta get younger or we're gonna die. That means our, our worship has to get louder. We gotta get younger. Jesus knew that. That's why he didn't pick old people. They couldn't make the walk, amen? You know, I'll get there, I'll get there. But I was hanging out with some of our young people and listen to me, it's hard to be an intergenerational movement. Like I was hanging out with some of our young people this week and I'm, I was listening, like they're saying words in English and I don't know what they mean. Like somebody was talking about Pastor Fredo's sermon and I was like, he spit a bar. And I was like, in his sermon? Why would he do that? Why did he have a bar in his mouth and why did he spit? I gotta watch the video now. The other thing, we're hanging out with young people. So when I, when, back in the day when I was a kid, we said cool once. Cool. Young people now say it twice. Cool, cool. Cool, cool. Like, I feel like in the 80s, we just would have said chill. Amen? Like, there's, that would have communicated cool twice. Just chill. But here's the thing, man. We got to love them. We got to stay connected to them. Because the gospel's the same, but the way we say it will always change. Number three, the power of our worship reminds me of how awesome God is. A deep sense of awe came over all of them. When's the last time you had a deep sense of awe? You know what's wrong with our young people today? They're bored. They lack a sense of awe. There's no wonder anymore. There's no amazement. They've lost it. Let's put it back in the church. Awesome is our word. Awesome is the word that's used to describe God. A deep, listen, a deep sense of awe came over them all. You know what worship allows us to do? To interact and sing with heaven. It transports us before the throne of an awesome God. And the apostles perform many miraculous signs and wonders. You see, what's missing from so many of our lives is the miraculous. It's the miraculous. It's why we went through the series Healer to remind you of what God can do. Look, they're miracles and what that means is it doesn't always happen. But what we need to be reminded is we worship a God who can make it happen. Are you missing your sense of awe? And here's the thing that's so tragic. I think as believers, we criticize the church. The church is simply a reflection of you. Everybody loves to pick on the church disparage the church, put the church down. The church is an easy target. You know why? The church can't fight back. Quit blaming the church for your inability to join in worship, to participate in worship, to actually act like you came today to listen to God. Our whole society's lost reverence, completely lost reverence. I was talking to a young person this week. I said, why don't you consider teaching? He said, I won't consider teaching until we teach our kids how to respect teachers. Okay, let's start in the church. Let's, let's show young people what reverence looks like. Let's start here. What if parents just started bringing their kids 
to church so they could learn how to behave. Because they're not going to get it at school. All they get from schools is excuses. What, what, what if our place in our society is just simply reminding people what reverence looks like? They're not going to get it from our politicians. I mean, I saw some of the, the interchanges this week between senators, and I was like, God help us. You see, what's changed is not, it's not God, it's us. We've forgotten God's wonder and power. But we have to choose, we have to choose to participate in what God's doing in worship. What is God doing today? How do I participate today? And some of us, especially those of us who are old, will slander the work of the Holy Spirit. Oh, the music's too loud. It's too loud. It's always been loud. Read your Bibles. When Moses goes to Mount Sinai, the people of God thought they were gonna die. Man, I'd love to see that boom box that was up there. <laughs> Can you imagine the bass that was coming off? It said it shook the rocks off the mountains. God wasn't playing a harp, a violin lightly. Come forth, Moses. <laughs> That's not what it was. And some of you, well, when I was old, they had organs. And those suckers will shake your soul. I mean, I don't know, is Jesus coming or is this the Phantom of the Opera? I don't know what it is, but it's scary. I was at a church last week, First Presbyterian Church of Bel Air. Church is so rich, I would never give money there. When the blue bucket come by, I'd take some out, amen? Yeah. We're gonna share, we're gonna share to those in need. I'm not kidding you. The parking lot in this church, the parking lot, the parking lot. I bet just the land is worth more than all 14 of our locations. The parking lot. And if you don't know where Bel Air is, that's where Will Smith was Fresh Prince. Right. But it had the largest pipe organ I've ever seen. And one of the people that works there told me when that thing plays, it unsettles the windows. So if you were in the 50s, now I know the truth about your worship. That's why old people got no teeth and the pipe organ shook it out. <laughs> but some of you listen to me, you're like, well, pastor, I just feel like our worship's going too far. In Acts chapter two, the church was accused of being drunk. We haven't hit that level, amen? One of the funniest verses in the Bible is Acts 2.15 when Peter gets up to preach. This is how he begins his sermon. These people, the church, are not drunk as some of you are assuming. <laughs> when have you ever heard me say that at Sandals? We're not drunk. <laughs> We're not stoned. We're just worshiping. This is the funniest verse in the entire Bible. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. It's far too early for that. Man, Pastor Fredo was preaching a couple weeks ago and I was in worship at Hunter Park and this lady was losing her mind. And I went up to confront her and I told her, I said, you got two choices. You can be quiet or you can go out. She's like, who are you? And I'm like, I'm the pastor of this church. She's like, oh. And right when she said, oh, I smelled the alcohol. I was like, man, this gal's drunk. But to be, to be fair, it was the 11 o'clock service. Amen. You know, so like Peter was like, I understand. 11 a.m., 9 a.m. service, too early. Psalms 95, six, oh, come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. When's the last time you've ever done that? 
Now, if you can't physically kneel, I understand. But if you can, when's the last time you've done it? Man, this past week at staff meeting, look, the volume was a little loud. The bass was just rattling my chest cage. My heart was like, we're not gonna make it. <laughs> but we had all of our young leaders on stage and the worship was so powerful, so powerful. But here's the thing, here's why you need worship. Worship, the power of our worship inspires me to a higher level of living. You know what's wrong with our world today? They're living too low. And all the believers met together in one place, listen to this, and they shared everything they had. They shared everything they had and they sold their property and their possessions and they shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day and they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Here's the words I want you to hear daily. I got news for you. You wanna know why you're not successful? You will never become what you do occasionally. You will become and you are becoming what you do daily. Some of you have a gym membership, but you do not work out. I was at a graduation party. They said, I didn't know you were a soccer player. I said, I used to play soccer. I haven't played soccer in years. I am no longer a soccer player. Do you know why? I don't play. Stop calling yourself a Christian when you don't play. You don't play. People say all the time, oh, I go to Sandals Church. When's the last time you came? How come I've never seen your face? People tell me all the time, I was there in the early years. Yeah, I remember everybody from the early years. <laughs> I don't remember you. Think about that. Why did they worship every day? Because that's the only way to change. Jesus said to the crowd, if any of you, any of you, you wanna be a real Christian? I'm not talking about a tattoo. I'm not talking about a t-shirt. I'm not, you wanna be a real Christian, then you gotta give up your own way and take up your cross daily and follow me. Every single day, I make a choice to follow Jesus. Every single day. And here's why I need worship. Worship reminds me of what needs to change today. And here's the good news. You go to a rocks concert, you're gonna get inspired. You come to a worship service, you can be changed. It's different. Because here's the difference between a rock star and Jesus. With Jesus, I actually have the power to change. I've been fascinated by this rising rock star. His name is Post Malone. Some of you have never heard of him. He, his face changes every time I see him. Uh, new tattoos constantly, uh, buzzed hair, long hair, beard, no beard. But, but here's the thing, he's immensely talented. And I was listening this week to his song, Rockstar, and it broke my heart for Post Malone. And I'm gonna edit his lyrics because this is church. <laughs> so don't be like, Pastor Matt doesn't even know what he's saying. I know what he's saying, I edited what he's saying. Here's, here's his line, Rockstar. And, and here's what I want you to understand is, this whole song is, I think, Post Malone is saying, I'm living a life I think I'm supposed to be living. Listen to this line. He says, I've been sleeping with hoes and popping pillies. Man, I feel just like a rock star. 
All my brothers got that gas and they always be smoking like a Rasta. I'm gonna edit the next verse because it's, it's, it's inappropriate for what's happened in our country this week. But then he says, listen to this. He talks about there's cocaine on the table, there's liquor pouring. Listen to this line, man, I don't give a damn. Here's the thing, Post Malone, Jesus wants you to give a damn. Your fans, they don't care about you. They care about your music. Jesus cares about you. And he gives a damn. So much so, he was willing to be damned to hell so you don't have to be. Let me just ask you, young people, so many of you, why is it that your life is so bad you have to be buzzed just to get through the day? Maybe it's that you're living the wrong life. See, Post Malone's gifted, but so are you. And Post Malone is living the life he thinks he's supposed to live. Jesus died so you could live the life he knows you're supposed to live. Listen to what Jesus says, the thief and always crafty. His purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. What are the chances Post Malone lives a long, happy life? You see, what the Johnny Depp trials have showed us is these people that we think are celebrities live like garbage. Live like garbage. Johnny Depp is immensely talented and deeply broken. And that trial is nothing more than maybe the two worst people in America fighting over who's better. But they're both bad, really bad. Do you know why? Their life has been stolen from them. And that's what the thief does. You see, here's the thing that breaks my heart about Johnny Depp. I was a big fan of a, an actor named River Phoenix. I'm the same age as River Phoenix, if River Phoenix was still alive. And he died of a drug overdose just on the steps of Johnny's club in LA. And we were robbed of an immense talent, an immense gift, and Johnny should have woken up and realized drugs only steal, kill, and destroy, but he's still listening to the whispers. And it makes me sad because he should have changed. But here's the thing, money is not enough to help you change, you need Jesus. Fame is not enough to make you change, you need Jesus. Jesus says, my purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. Johnny Depp is rich, he is not satisfied. Psalms 37, four says this, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will do this. Stop living your fake life. Stop, start living the real life that Jesus died so you could live. And our worship, our worship is this bridge from where we are to where we're called. I don't know about you, but every single week when I walk in and I hear that worship, I know, I know in my heart that there's something more. I know in my heart I can be better. And I know in my heart I'm ready to hear God's word. So stop showing up late. The only person you're hurting is yourself. Last point, the power of our worship. It motivates me to celebrate the growth of the church. Sandals, I love you. Never be embarrassed about the size of our church. You know, people say to me all the time, oh, Sandals is too big. You know, you're talking about the Lord Jesus' wife. 
So she's a big, she's a big girl. Amen. That's how Jesus likes her, right? But people, come on, bring it back, church, bring it back. But people just, people just disparage the church. Isn't this what we're supposed to do? No one in the early church said, we're growing too fast. We're planning too many campuses. Nobody said, stop. Everyone said, this is amazing. This is amazing. We should never apologize for the growth of our church because the movement of the Holy Spirit adds every day to those who are being saved. To those who are being saved. Never apologize. Never apologize. God, for whatever reason, in his own sovereignty has blessed us to be on this beautiful ride. Let's enjoy it. Man, do you know how many churches will baptize zero, zero people in 2022? We baptized over 300 on one weekend just a couple weeks ago. 300 people. And some churches will be zero for a decade. All the while, the church was praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord, who adds? The Lord adds. The Lord adds. Who is he adding? The people who say, good talk. Good talk today. Good talk. Because when people say great sermon, we just took them from another church. That's not addition. Addition is good talk, pastor. Good talk. They don't even know how to say pastor. Usually I get Master Pat. <laughs> feels, feels a little cultish, but I hear that all the time. Master Pat, I'm like, ooh. Listen, I love you. The Lord loves you. We need our worship. Could we just prepare our hearts? I know some of you are looking at your watch. If you're watching from home, you're ready to throw the screen down. Could you just stop for a second? And especially if you're watching from home, why can't you get on your knees in your own home? Jesus went on the cross for you. Why can't you get on your knees for him and just worship? Some of you need today, especially Christians, you need to say, God, I have not worshiped. I've not worshiped. And I need to do that today. Because Sandals Church will only make the difference if we're worshiping God in the way that he's called us. So let's just pray and let's just offer a, a prayer of repentance and say, God, we're sorry that we have not given you the worship you deserve. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I'm sorry. Lord, I'm to be the lead worshiper in this church. I'm to be the example. And God, even me as the senior pastor of this church, sometimes I, I get too caught up in how I look rather than the one I'm supposed to be looking at, which is you. God, worship is not about me. It's about you. It is about giving you and ascribing to you the praise you deserve. Lord Jesus, help us as a church to be a church that worships with power, power that changes lives, power that causes us to love each other and power that causes us to live a life that our neighbors and friends so desperately want and need. Lord Jesus, bless this worship. Send your spirit, up, spirit upon us, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.